Welcome to the new Sex and Happiness with Lori Handlers and her partner, Michael Gibson. You're about to dive into a world where amazing sex is just around the corner. And happiness is available to everyone at any age. It's time to learn a little, laugh a little, and explore sex and intimacy from every angle. Welcome to another episode of Sex and Happiness. I'm Lori Handlers. I'm Michael Gibson. We are going to talk about what drives us to be extraordinary lovers. We're going to talk about why we do what we do, why we do coaching, why we do VIP coaching, why we do couples retreats, why we talk about it, why the whole show Sex and Happiness has changed. We're going to talk about what's underneath the premise to the work that we do. And that is that we believe Couples are an endangered species. <laughs> so we think couples should be on the list of endangered species like turtles and tigers <laughs> and some kind of fish and dolphins. I don't know. Everything. Yeah. What else is endangered? What other things? There's lots of things that are endangered. Very endangered things. Um, we're having a, um, you know, the the what is it the sixth extinction event is happening all around us where where species are dropping like flies and um and it's interesting because human beings are, are essentially a species we're a species. and we're at the cause of all the other species dying and listen yeah bees are dying yeah and if if bees die then we won't have the birds and the bees well worse than that we won't have the food that the bees pollinate, know. you know what I mean? I was just making a... I get it. I you're, was making a parable, that but was you're clever. speaking the truth. That was clever. Anyway, <laughs> couples are an endangered species. How do we know? One, look at the divorce rates. Mm-hmm. Divorce rates are over 50% for first marriages. Yeah. Divorce rates are higher for second marriages. There's, it's something like 80%, like somewhere between 60 and Some 80%. Some ridiculous number, yeah. Some crazy number. I, and then their third marriages, I don't, like to me, I wonder if you've been married twice before and it failed, why are you even getting married the third time? Like, I don't know. <laughs> well, it's because I, I think at some level, um, marriages are, um, are easily dis- disposed. Um, you can simply get a divorce, you know, and, and boom, it's over. It's done. Uh, and but what about the words, till death do us part, which I don't like those words. Well, yeah. But what about those words? Why would someone even say that again? Yeah, I mean, if they make, they made a commitment the first time and if to death do us part were the thing. What if after you got divorced, right, you had to then go to the gallows <laughs> and they hung you for, for becoming divorced? I don't know. Um, it's it's just it's a sad situation for people and it's i think very... it's it impacts everybody not just the people who have fallen out um no and, it impacts their whole first of all it impacts their children correct yeah that's second the biggest of, impact second of all it impacts their extended family right third of all it impacts their community their friends their friends have to choose yeah. who am i going to be friends with Am I going to leave and have a bunch of friends? Or am I going to leave and I'm going by myself? The walk of shame. The, the real walk of shame. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, okay. So that's the first indicator. Mm-hmm. The statistics on marriages that fail. Yeah. And then um, there are so many other things. There are people who stay together and they tolerate each other. Yeah. 
And, you know, you always say... I would rather go where I'm celebrated than to be stuck where I'm tolerated. There's a lot of tolerating going on, and there's a lot of people that do crazy things. There are, there are, there are signs. Let's talk about the, the five signs that um, a, a relationship is going down, you know, the tube. <laughs> wow. Oh. Are there five or are there more? <laughs> I, I, there might we'll be stick more. with five. How about I, that? I said let's have five. So one of them is that the people fight. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not it's not even just fighting. It's it's sort of like that's like stage three, right? Okay. Um, stage, What's stage one? I think stage one is where you discover that you're now walking on eggshells around the other person. And it starts with, you know, too much familiarity. People okay. are just way too familiar with each other, and then they think they know. Like Okay, they assume stuff about each other like they know too much, like the person is an open and closed book. Right. And um, that familiarity breeds contempt. You've heard the saying. Yeah, Shakespeare said that, I think. Breeds contempt. And so um, I think that's like one of the first signs Okay, is that there is this resentment happening and that resentment shows up as, you know, um, not willing to say what it is you have to say to this person. Um, and oftentimes I think it, it, it's wrapped up in this idea that, oh, I know what's going to happen if I bring something up. Oh, yeah, they're going to lose it. There's the avoiding of the fight, right? Okay. And, um, and so a lot of times we simply don't speak our truth. We don't say what it is. It's bothering us. And so we go for months, maybe years holding resentment against another person and not really saying what it is that's bothering us. And it could just be something really simple like... Um, you don't you, put the toilet seat down. Yeah, or you leave your, so you leave your socks on the floor next to the bed. Right. You I, I can give a great story about this. <laughs> I have friends who the husband would just never, ever do his laundry. And she was trying to get him to do his laundry. She was like, she's a career woman. He was a career man. And she didn't want to come home and do his laundry. Right. And so she this, she, she was in my women's group years ago. And we told her to stop doing the laundry. So she stopped doing the laundry. So all he had was like dirty shirts, dirty socks, dirty whatever, dirty underwear. And so he didn't do the laundry. He just bought new shirts, new socks, and new underwear. Every time it was time to do the load of laundry, and it was piling up, he just went out and he bought new shirts, new socks, and new underwear. That's a resourceful man. And he and then it piled up to almost the ceiling. I mean, it yeah. was just like she she came to the women's group and went like, "You're not going to believe this. He wouldn't still do it. He bought new stuff again." Yeah. You know, we said it's time for you to have a talk. Right. I think it was time for them to have a talk before I'm not going to do the laundry anymore. Yeah. Right. Anyway, so, you know, they had to have a talk. We had to mediate. Well, that that's the difficulty of it. Because, look, we go to our friends and we talk about all the things. We collude. Right. We go to our friends and we talk about all the things that bothers us. And then the friends are colluding with you. Yeah, that's terrible. And, you know, now there's this view 
of your person, the special person you pledged your love to. Maybe you've married that person. And all your friends think and, the person's an asshole. Right. And, and That's you're, terrible. And then that person is then talking to their friends and they, they think you're, you know, the other you're person's an asshole. An asshole. Right. So, okay, it, so yeah, that's, so not speaking your truth is a number one, being afraid to speak your truth to the person you love for fear that you will blow it up um, is the number one uh, what? The number one... I think it's the number one thing that that starts you down the road towards... Everything a, a else. breakup. Yeah. And, um, and it shows up as resentment. Okay. So the first thing would be, yeah, that you're not speaking your truth and the reason that you're feeling this resentment is because you feel like you can't say. What's it like to be in a relationship with someone that you feel like you just can't say? What it is that's on your mind or what's bothering you. I've been there. Yeah. It's terrible. It is. Okay, so that's one. Two, I, what are you going to say two is? I'm going to say arguing. Yeah. Arguing. I think people argue over everything. Like, they argue over everything. Like, they argue over whose family they're going to for the holidays. They argue over... Uh, money expenditures mm -hmm. they argue over how to raise the kids they argue over what TV show to watch I, they argue over everything sometimes they argue over how to argue <laughs> I right. mean it's bizarre right you know right fighting is so ordinary it is and arguing is just a way of asserting you know um your beliefs or maybe it's your your desire to be right like you must be right have you ever had well I think it's a buildup of resentment also I oh, think is. arguing is a buildup I mean I was in a relationship where when we should have been making love we were arguing we were fighting oh man it was terrible yeah it was absolutely terrible and um we couldn't stop. I couldn't stop myself. I could not stop myself. I, I it was like, it was like a knee jerk reaction. Right. I couldn't stop myself, and it was terrible. And I heard myself, like I heard myself, and I was like in my mind, I was going, "Oh no," like to myself. Yeah. And I heard myself saying, repeating the same thing over and over and over, harping, nagging. Nagging. Oh my God, I heard myself doing that. I mean, I'm definitely human. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am too. And I've heard myself say the same things and uh, it's just bizarre. And it's almost as though we've been taken over by aliens and we can't say what we feel, but really what this rec broken record is running us in. I call it the always never fight. I don't know if you've ever had this. Yeah, one. you always this. I ne you, you never. never <laughs> you always. You never. Oh yeah. Well, you never. <laughs> it's so stupid. Right. But it's 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 hard to get off it. It's uh -huh. hard to stop accusing the other person and look inside. Like, you know, Werner Erhard used to say uh, about relationships: promise what's missing. Hmm. That's good. Whatever it is that's missing and that you're complaining about, you promise it. You provide it. Yeah. You produce it. Right. You know, and I remember hearing that and going, oh, could I? <laughs> is that something you could take, you know, take the lead on and actually create instead of 
complaining about it. Yeah, right. I it was it was very challenging, but it's I feel like I'm there now. You know what's really interesting is that, and I've said this many many times, which is that um, behind every complaint is a request, mm -hmm. and so often we it, it's so in our culture it is so misunderstood that the complaint is the communication that's normally put forward rather than the simple request so the complaint might be god damn that trash really stinks right i you know and it's full look at it it's full and then the other person is looking at the trash going yeah, you're right. It really stinks and it's full. That's that's a good observation. <laughs> yeah, I hate it. You know, behind that complaint. Is it, will you take it out? Someone take out the freaking trash, right? So will you take out the trash is the request. Um, and then the fight is, will you never take out the trash? Will you, you always complain about this? Why are you always complaining about this? If you want me to take out the trash, why don't you just say, take out the trash? Well, can't you smell it? Can't you see it's overflowing? Why can't you just take out the trash? Right? This is a real argument people It's a have. real argument. And it's so ridiculous because what's not happening is communication. And making a request, a and simple request. And the trash request. sitting there laughing at you both, Yeah, right, right exactly. <laughs> if the trash could laugh. Amazing. So what's the third thing? Okay, so we have we have um, resentment, not because of not speaking the truth. We have arguing and fighting over really nothing. Yeah. Except it starts out over nothing, and then it gets bigger. It does. It gets bigger because if you for, because if you can't speak your truth, then you're suppressed, mm -hmm. and anything that's suppressed is going to have to explode, and then. The arguments turn into full-on blasting fights because battles, even. battles, even because um, now we're committed to being right about something rather than just getting it handled. I think that's the next part. The next step in it is that you know we position ourselves and um, in in order to be right. So there's this deep need, right? to in the midst of a, an argument like that to create this I'm right you're wrong and you should see it my way and that's part of the argument but I think really what's happening here is there's a loss of identity there's a loss of instead of having to be right it's like who am I really being in this moment like with this person that I say I love and I've committed my life to and I've organized my finances and my time and my life around and I've become this person who just has to be right all the time. And that person is always resisting me and fighting with me. And why do I, I feel like I'm at war in my own home. Yeah. Right. So that, that's like a third thing, which has to do with, um, being, well, there's a few aspects to it. One is like reverting to a teenager. Yeah. You not know, having like, adult conversations. Yeah. Anymore. Being infantile about just the conversations. Yeah. That's one piece of it. And another piece of it is we're the product of our upbringing a lot. We are not tabla rasa. No. You know, we're we, like we get our, we have our gene pool plus we have, you know, who knows what's in that. And then we have the influence of the people that raised us. Mm -hmm. And so in any given relationship, there's not just you and me, any couple, there's also 
any in any given argument, it could be my mother is arguing with your mother. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Or yeah. your father is arguing with my mother or some, you know, and like we all know they weren't the best characters. Right. So there's all these parts that people play without knowing it. and it's like automatic behavior like they we flip into it like sometimes I think you're like my father and I say yeah. that oh, at least I'm say, conscious of it. Yeah, I say, say to you, I am reacting to you right now because I think you're being like Marty. Uh-huh. And I am I am conscious enough to actually own that and then i ask the question how am i being like like marty and then you will tell me and um there's a skill here that that you and i have developed which you know is nonviolent communication so we follow that method of communication um and 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 being responsible for what i'm experiencing what i'm hearing and my upset right so you say god i'm so upset about it and i'm relating to you like as if you were my father right and i have the same thing happen to me um, and so you know I'd love to give you all a way out of this right but really what we're doing is we're identifying what does it look like to be at a stage four uh, you know beyond stage three we're now at stage four right um, and well this, we have ways of helping you get out of it but we can't right. I mean you have to come to a retreat or something but we'll talk about that at the end I mean like literally we can't teach you everything in a podcast yeah. We can identify what's going on, and if you find yourself located in the crosshairs of what we're talking about, you you need to call us. Yeah. You know, but we we've done the work of identifying it, and we actually pretty much stay out of it. Yeah, we don't have a lot of this going on in the way we relate to each other. Right. But we, like we say, you know, we finally learn from experience. We finally learned from experience. We found somebody. I found you, and you knew how to communicate. Mm-hmm. And you found me, and I know how to communicate. And I spent money learning how. Yeah, I did too. So you know, yeah. sometimes you have to invest. But anyway, let's go back to the reasons because we can't. We can't. We're just doing the ID part right now. Right. And if you find yourself located here, you know, pay attention. I, I believe, and this is. And I believe I, I misspoke just a moment ago. We're not quite to four yet. We're still at three. Mm-hmm. But this is this is now where you're no longer the identity that you were when you became a couple, right? So so each individual is now dealing with the other person with all these other things that have been going on. These dynamics, the familiarity, the resistant or the resentment that's been happening. You're not speaking your truth, etc. And now you're in this place where it's like I don't even know who I am anymore. Like I'm responding and just knee jerk reacting. And uh, who the, f- you know, who am I? Like, why am yeah. I doing? And you can't, now you don't even know the person that you're dealing with anymore. Who are they? Because there's some semblance of some past that you had and some argument that you had with someone in the past that you haven't resolved. Right. Or forgiven or whatever you need. I to know. Do. And I, I've looked at myself in the mirror and gone, how did I get here? <laughs> like, right. what, should I drop acid? <laughs> like, what should I do? I have is actually. This, is this- I've dropped acid before to get myself out of some spiral (laughs) that I was in. Yeah, crazy. Well, and and then that leads us to the next level, which is at some point, this would be number four, at some point you just start to not want to be around that person anymore. And that's where you start to see the separation. It's a resistance. Hey, do you want to go to the movies? Nah, not really. No, thanks. You know, hey, I've got a thing. We'll go meet up with some friends. Yeah, yeah, go right ahead. Have fun. I'm not going. Get out of here. I don't want to go. Uh, It looks a little like that. 
and um, and it's and it's insidious that you know at some point or if you do go to any of these types of functions or whatever you do it under duress it's no longer fun to go hang out with you know um, the Joneses right <laughs> it's right. no longer fun to go and be with this person and then you, you have these public outbursts that sometimes happen oh those are the, to me that's the worst where all of a sudden people use the excuse of being in the back seat with their friends and they start arguing. Yeah. Or we were the couple who started uh, keeping score on each other. Oh my gosh, we had a couple like that once. Yeah. We went to lunch with a couple like that. Bizarre. Uh, well, and, and I can relate. I could relate to you that. You could keep score? Yeah, I could relate to that uh, keeping score thing. Um, but that's because I wasn't, you know, a long, long time ago, um, I wasn't conscious enough to realize that what I should have been doing was keeping score of how many times I had the opportunity to forgive, right, and sort all these things out. Um, but yeah, no, the resistance shows up in your relationship, and the next thing you know, uh, you no longer want to be around these people. This person that you, again, organized your life around and you spent money on and you did all these things with. And now you're feeling like, you know, God, I just want out. And yeah, that, where am I going to go? Yeah. What am I going to do? That, that takes us to number five, which is the planning. You know, how do you plan your revenge? How do you plan your, I'm getting out your of Your escape, yeah. You suck. You're an evil. Like, you, you then turn this person into the object of the evil that you want to the monster. You know, destroy. <laughs> and now, um, and we call that revenge. So, and I always talk about the famous revenge story. Right. Yeah. And you met the person recently. You finally met this person. Right. The biggest revenge story I ever heard. I'm sure it's not the worst or the only one, but this was the worst I've ever heard. Right. A friend of mine comes home from work one day to find his house completely empty. No wife, no kids, no dog, no furniture, no bed, nothing. There's a shell of a house. He comes home totally shocked to find an empty house with no warning. No warning. And that took planning, and it probably took years to devolve. Of revenge. Oh, my yeah. God. And, I, you know, of course, he's happy today, and he just recently got he married. He did, yes. But, um, oh, that was so painful when he told me that. I, like, my heart went out to him. You know, it was horrible. Yeah. Now, of course, we've met people worse now. Oh, my God. We've met people who just stay, and they. it feels like one of them is going to kill the other one. Yeah. And they fight like crazy. There's like no peace in the house. And yeah. this is a second or a third marriage that we're talking about here. We've met so many people. Why? I can't understand why they married in the first place. And, and the question really, you know, we, you and I both are wondering is, you know, are you ever going to be happy with a person? You know, is there a person who you can be happy with that you're not going to go down this almost already always going to be this way like this is how relationships fall so, apart so couples are an endangered species let's talk about it see i think it's intrinsic mm -hmm. in our culture yeah because people don't have self-love that's a good starting point so we could say all right so uh, i misspoke earlier everybody i said we weren't going to 
tell you the solution, but I am going to talk about a solution. Right. Part of the solution is if you don't have enough self-love built up and stored inside you like a well, if you're looking to what they say in in the world of Hollywood and songs and parents, you need someone to complete you, your other half. <laughs> if you believe that and you don't love yourself enough to just be by yourself, to be who you are by yourself, you're in trouble when you get in a relationship. And all these things start to happen because you're wondering where this other half person is supposed to be the expectations they're supposed to be fulfilling some other half of you right. which is ridiculous and that's really why couples are an endangered species yeah there's several definitely one of the one of the problems is expectations and unspoken expectations almost as if it's an it's a written law but nobody wrote it down and nobody showed the other person no one made agreements about it nobody talked about it nothing and then there's the uh, the other piece which is the oh the other piece of expectations that nobody talked about returning to love you you mentioned it before you talked about forgiveness right well, forgiveness is a, only a part of it. It's really, there's a practice. There's a commitment. There's a word, word given to always return to love. Yeah. No matter what. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you sacrifice yourself for love. Mm-hmm. And then you become someone you aren't. It means you speak up and you do the things that we talked about just right. a little earlier it means that you speak up, you say your complaints, you say you make your requests, you risk risking it all, and then you return to love. Yeah. No matter what has been said, no matter what whatever. And this here is these here or this here, these here are the subject of the things that we work with. Mm-hmm. These are the subjects of the retreats that we lead, right. the weekends that we lead and the VIP coaching that we do. We're teaching a set of skills that I never learned from my parents. I never learned from the psychologists I paid. Mm. I never learned in any workshop I went to or taught. Yeah. I learned it right here, right here in the space between us. In this relationship. And a bit of it was influenced by this one or that one. Of course, nonviolent communication, um, Des. Baba Des said, return to love, no matter what. You have to keep return to love. We learned bits and pieces of it, and we put it together. Mm. Alison Armstrong. The concept of partnership from Alison Armstrong. Werner Earhart. We learned it, and we put it together in packages that have people learn the skills that it takes to stop being in one to five of the things we talked about. And we've saved... We've saved people from killing each other. I'll just say it. We've saved people from killing their husband or wife. We've saved people from sitting in a room together, empty nesters. The kids are grown and they're looking at each other like, who are we? What are we doing together? We've saved people from things like um, not being able to hear each other. We, We met a couple once who... If he said, I'm sorry, she couldn't hear those words. And so how was he supposed to apologize? Right. 
She said, I don't trust the words, I'm sorry. And he's like, but I am sorry. And she's like, what? I can't, I can't, I can't hear, hear those sorry. words. So we had to decipher that and figure out other words. I mean, we, <laughs> we, that was a tough one because we had to literally come up with words that meant I'm sorry that she could actually hear so that she would get that he actually not just wanted to say he was sorry. But he was apologizing for something and taking responsibility was, for it. Yeah, and he wanted to change it. Like that was a big part that of That was so huge. That was a big part of the problem, which was, yeah, you say you're sorry, but you never change. And this was the, the conundrum they were yeah. in. It was the catch And they say that we saved their, their marriage. And yeah. we know that because of COVID, oh, I'm saying the C word, we, we, <laughs> we know that because of COVID, many of you have been cramped and cooped up together uh-huh. in your, in your, and your world's got much smaller. You couldn't run away. We know that like uh, marital violence and uh, relational violence is up, has gone up, yeah. maybe 10 notches. Yeah. We know that people, the divorce rate has increased since COVID. We know that very few people have the skills to work this stuff out. And that's why we're doing this program. That's yeah. why we're doing this podcast. We do it because we want to give couples a shot, like a real shot at being incredibly happy and juicy and sexy. And um, I think that's probably, I, I know for myself, it's what drives me mm. forward. It's what drives me to go to the next retreat and to go to the next VIP vacation and to go and do, and to work with couples because I can see that you know there's this underlying like really deep pain mm-hmm. of uh, I don't, I, I feel alone and I'm not alone. Yeah, I feel alone in my relationship. And I'm not alone. Yeah. yeah, I I yeah. I've invested so much and I I don't know where to turn. Mm. So anyway, that's that's what we're doing. So we hope that you you know, could see what's going on here. We know that if you're normal, you know, somewhat normal in this culture that you probably are somewhere on the scale of those things we mentioned because there has there's almost nobody that we met who isn't. <laughs> and like We are into the notion of surrender, but we're not into the notion of surrender because you lost at the battle of love. We're not talking about that. We like surrender in the, in the thing of surrender to pleasure. Yeah. We, we, we're an advocate of that, but you can't surrender to pleasure if you're in so much pain that you can't even speak your truth. If you're in so much fear that you can't even speak your truth. If you're in so much angst that relating is causing you familiarity is causing you uh the lack of what was promised is causing you we want you to have the best life possible we want you to have what you signed up for yeah so that's, that's our goal our goal is to actually have you experience the happily ever after that Disney promised you. <laughs> I wrote a great newsletter about that. It was called Happily Ever After My Ass. <laughs> yeah. It's it's hot it's tough. It 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 takes work and investment. It really does take work and investment. Anyway, I'm not gonna go into all that. We hope that you I don't know if you've enjoyed this show. Maybe it was painful for you to listen to, but we we are we're identifying the the things that are important to us and where we're focused 
and where we're doing our work because we know we're making a huge contribution in this world. Um, if we can save the endangered species of couples, we know that the world will be a happier place. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. so we want to leave you with, please get in touch with us. Please go to the website, lauriehandlers.com. Join the newsletter. Yeah, join, you know, to submit your email address and in return we'll send you a newsletter. We'll send you notifications of when we're doing events. If you're a couple that's high profile and you wouldn't want to go on a retreat with other couples, we do special VIP weekends, actually long weekends, for you anywhere in the world you want to go. And if, you, uh, if you're not high profile, but you're a couple that hears this and goes, oh my God, we're in, we're in trouble here, we're, we're endangered, contact us and we'll let you know when the next time is that we're doing something in the United States or somewhere else in the world. We're doing some things in Europe. And um, just get in touch with us and let us know. You can contact us also on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, you can contact us and let us know you're in trouble. Also, if you're not, but your friends are, yeah. um, let them know about us. We'd be happy to, to hear from them. So that's, that's our show for tonight, talking about um, couples as an endangered species. I, I, I you know, I feel for you. That's all I want to say. And Michael feels for you. We have compassion. We have no judgment. Mm -hmm. You know, we can laugh about this stuff because we've been through it. Oh, absolutely. So many times in previous relating situations and we're not in it now. And I'm not going to say we don't have any challenges. We do. Certainly do. But we return to love. Yeah. It's a muscle that we've been working on for a great portion of our relating and um, and I think it's it's been such a joy to be in this way with you. This the ability to relate to you this way has been such a joy, and um, and I love the fact that um, it seems to get deeper and deeper and more precious. And so thank you, Lori Handlers. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Michael Gibson. Yeah. The feeling is mutual, mm. really. So we invite you to come and join us anywhere. We're a lot of places in the world. We'd love you to come join us. And all you have to do is go to lauriehandlers.com and just send us a note. Yeah. And you'll hear from us. We do answer and respond to people. So that's it for us for now. This episode on couples as an endangered species. Next time we're going to talk about some of the solutions. So this is Laurie Handlers and Michael Gibson signing off for Sex and Happiness. We will see you at the next episode. Bye.